Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey guys, it's Perry here. Attention true crime lovers, the Hits Real Channel podcast Murder Made Me Famous is back with all new episodes on Podcast One. Join crime reporter Steve Helling and those involved in the cases as they examine the most infamous crimes imaginable to unravel the twisted personalities that were thrust into the spotlight, including the Green River Killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Jack the Ripper. Download new episodes of Murder Made Me Famous every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly With Carvana... Stay little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Apologies for the delays, guys, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's worth the wait. We are talking about this whole Spider-Man, Sony, Disney, Marvel, Kevin Feige situation right now. It's going to be a great discussion. We are also talking about the Matrix 4 announcement, and I can assure you there's one person on this desk right now that is very excited to talk about that story, but really, this is one heck of a lineup. A day that began with a brand new Bond 25 title. I thought that was going to be on the lineup, and then we got all of this stuff, and we get to discuss it with Coy and Haley today. Hi. Hello. What's up? I this, hope you're ready for this. this you, I feel like you've been for ready me. for quite a while. I was born to do this show today. <laughs> the Matrix is my number two movie of all time, and Spider-Man's my number one hero of all time, and Arachnophagia is an excellent title. I just have to give credit <laughs> to Adam in the booth. That was incredible. Uh, what today has become... Oh, boy. Yeah, I, there's so much to go through right now, and it's like I had that much time to prep for the show because I like just walked out of an interview, and everyone's like, look at all this stuff that broke. Yes, I'm so this excited. This broke eight minutes after Collider Heroes. Crazy. Eight minutes after... <laughs> 
figures. the superhero figures. show on our network. Figures, Classic. doesn't it? Oh. Haley, I hope you are well rested for this conversation because we had a very mm. big weekend. Before we, sure we even get to it, I just want to know, North Bend Film Festival 2019, what was your favorite film of the festival? I actually have three that I want to single out because okay. I said one before a show, but I lied. I'm going to tell you guys about more I'm movies. I'm not going to tell you specifically which yeah. one that is then. Uh, I loved Extraordinary. Mm. Very fun sort of Good ghost exorcism comedy. I loved Knives and Skin by Jennifer Reeder, who we had on the podcast. I might be a little biased, but I also thought it was an you awesome movie. You can listen movie. to that this Thursday. Yes. And... You missed it, and I'm sad, but Villains was great. It's so much fun, and Bill Skarsgård is just Missed it twice wonderful. now. I got to catch that when yes. it comes out. All right, let's get into the story. Big greed here, just so we get you guys all of the key information. Deadline is reporting that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will no longer serve as producer on future Spider-Man movies. Last few months have reportedly seen a dispute between Disney and Sony over the co-distribution rights they've shared since 2017's Spider-Man Homecoming and a failure to come to terms has essentially jettisoned Feige and Marvel from future Spidey projects. An update to our original article stated a studio insider told us that this comes down to producer credit only, and our understanding is negotiations are ongoing. According to that deadline report, two more films are still coming down the pipeline with Holland in the title role and John Watts returning to direct. Whenever these two projects come to pass, Feige will not serve as lead creative producer, and apparently the decision simply comes down to money. Sony reportedly turned down an offer by Disney of a 50-50 co-financing deal on future Spider-Man projects, a deal that may have stretched into other MCU entries in which the character appeared. Oh, oh boy. So... You, I, where, where else to start? A 50-50 co-financing deal. You hear that Sony turned it down. Just why do you think they would turn it down? Because that's crazy. Okay. That's crazy. And like, yeah. I think it's, the more we hear about this, the more it seems that this is negotiating in public, right? Because that's a crazy thing, and I don't think anybody would expect that to go through. That's how negotiation works. You kind of walk up and throw it down, and then they can try to talk you down from that. But that... That's insane. So, no. Why would they take that? It's a crazy uh, thing to say, too, or, you know, a thing to have made public when Sony is doing fairly well, too, with the Spider-Man brand. Obviously, Venom was a huge financial success. And then on top of that, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yet now is the time for all of this. And, you know, for all I know, a lot of this stuff was going on behind closed doors for a long while. It's just... I don't see a scenario why Sony would need to accept a deal like this. So how can Disney ask for more? I think it's a tricky situation because the universe is set up so intrinsic to the Marvel lore. Uh, like Spider-Man, I can't go home. Like what's the third movie going to be if, <laughs> if there's no setup with the blip is part of Marvel. The setup so far has been tied to Marvel. The The last film has him set up as a, a major new hero within the MCU. And a lot of the core Spider-Man things, like the Spider-Man comic, like the character of Spider-Man, the way he exists can't exist after Far From Home. Uh, spoilers for a movie from three months ago that made over a billion dollars. With Jonah Jameson knowing who he is, there's no Daily Bugle, there's no him going to high school, there's no underdog, there's none of those things. So right now it's a tricky position for the film to go forward in any direction. I can't imagine it going forward without the same people steering the ship that have been steering the ship. Because without Kevin Feige steering, that's the difference between uh, some of the other films and, and this feeling of Spider-Man. The way Spider-Man fits in this universe, I don't know what a Sony movie would look like without the captain steering. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, why do you think they're making such a big deal out of the credit, too? I mean, obviously, you know, bumping up the deal from 5% to 50%, that's a huge deal, too. But then that statement that we got from a studio insider says this comes down to producer credit. Like, why would they not want Kevin Feige's name attached to their films? I mean, just a shot in the dark, because I definitely am not inside on this situation, but it it could be a step towards ultimately fully dissolving things. And I think the real loser there would be like Tom Holland and the fans, because what we have is uh, on both sides, honestly, in the MCU and over at Sony, we have a world where Spider-Man now has been introduced to sort of parallel universes so there are ways to to write around this especially with the success of you know into the spider-verse there is a precedent for people wanting to see that Mm -hmm. so maybe to take it away a little bit and to make it more of a sony property i'm not saying i think it's brilliant i'm just trying to in any way make logical sense of it i can't wrap my head around it i just i can't wrap my head around it because everything is going so strong and you're both going to benefit if you just continue to play nice and you know the other little bit we have here that we're hearing uh from the studios is that you know sony doesn't think this is a done deal and they could be willing to come up from that five percent just not to fifty percent so why can't you find a you know a, a not even necessarily a happy medium but a more appropriate number I, I made the mistake of going to live chat before the show, oh. and uh, I the idea of, of boycotting so like Sony's done nothing wrong here. Sony is a studio that owns a character that wants to make money off a character. Yeah. This is a film industry that involves money that involves business. Uh, Sony wants to keep making their flagship character their flagship character. I understand both sides. Kevin Feige shouldn't have been shepherding a universe and doing all of that legwork for five percent. That seems really low. Fifty percent seems really high almost like a public negotiation. So hey. it almost seems like there's some sort of conversation wherein what what would be more insulting than like, well, we're taking your name off it. I think all <laughs> of these are tactics. I think all of these are very public. This is a really gross, the internet's the problem. This is a really gross, we know too much about this than we should. Yeah. All of these type of deals has probably happened for years in the film industry, but it's so much more public because it's superheroes, because it's the two big studios, because it's Spider-Man. All of this stuff should have happened behind closed doors because it might be fine. But because it's not fine at this moment, everyone's like, screw this entire studio and that glorious Spider-Verse movie they made. Well, it's I, don't, I don't think anyone should take that approach because like you said, we're talking about a business arrangement here. They got to do what they got to do in order to best suit their operation but you know given the fact that all this information is very public i'm just curious what would be your stances if let's say the headline was you know the the deal broke down that's it they're parting ways then then how would you interpret this if you didn't know the behind the scenes you know mechanisms at play here much more civil like that seems like a way less uh, the details are what make it so like there's so much more animosity knowing mm. the details because then you ha- you can imagine the meetings you can see all these things I understand Kevin Feige's frustration because you're in a position of you made these two Andrew Garfield movies in a way that the Spider-Man didn't translate to the audiences I have retranslated this character to the audience in a way that has made you two billion dollar films I know you made that 850 million dollar Venom movie but the only place that Spider-Man hasn't been at Sony is in the live action Spider-Man universe of Marvel characters movies so now it's a really tricky time to like, here's the rug. So it, no one's winning here. And I don't see any side as being evil, but everyone's trying to make business. It just shouldn't be on the new, like it shouldn't be as public as it is yet. Cause there's nothing definitive yet. I mean, to my I, knowledge, d- definitely no one's being evil. We can't, you know, blow this out of proportion to that extent. It's just, you know, right now, all I know from Disney's perspective is that 50, 50 split. And that seems outrageous to me. So right now I'm like, like, 
Disney, calm your calm yourself. You I really do think that's just a negotiation tactic. Yeah. You know, and that's just again to reinforce your point, it's just business and it's something that that will always happen and has always happened, but doesn't usually get reported because it's not about <laughs> yeah. Spider Man and the MCU right. and at this time where we have no idea what that future it looks like. It also speaks to what Coy brought up about the problem being the internet right it's now. It's like thing. that fifty percent <laughs> is all I have to work on right now, and that gives me that feeling like, whoa, that's yeah. that's not okay playing this through a little right now because we don't know what the outcome is going to be it does seem like it's not a done deal by any means right now but you know let's say this doesn't pan out all that well for spider-man in the mcu how does that reshape what you think the future of the mcu is going to hold for us i and this is controversial uh i think that after spider-man far from home spider-man needs to go be spider-man i think the last five minutes of far from home are them being like here's now spider-man he's in new york he's finally web swinging mary jane is mary jane we've gotten that the universe built up to where we've had the marvel cinematic universe version of the origin story we've got iron man is is uncle ben we've got the the power and responsibility established he's had his existential crisis of amazing spider-man number 50 he's walked away from the suit we've had those big lynch pin moments. Now Spider-Man can go be his own thing. I think now would be an okay time if they had the right person steering the ship for him not to be necessarily as tied to the MCU. I want Kevin Feige involved. I want Spider-Man where is home to have Kevin Feige leading the ship, but I also don't want it to necessarily have Doctor Strange or to have Thor. I want Spider-Man Spider-Man is not always an Avenger. He's Spider-Man, comma, occasional Avenger. He's the guy, he's the underdog, he's looking for food. He shouldn't have access to Stark Tower. And I want there to be a slight <laughs> derailment that way and I don't think that Kevin Feige should do all that work for 5% but I also don't think that it should be a 50% like I don't want to only see Spidey and Avengers movies frankly I mean the way you just put that actually kind of gives me hope for you know the outcome no matter what it winds up being because either we're in a situation where Tom Holland Spider-Man continues to exist in the MCU which has pleased me to no end right now so yes give me more and more and more but this point in time could be a reasonable out just if i if i follow through with what you just said with basically you know giving him a smaller scope bringing him back to his roots his hometown Some sort of friendly neighborhood yeah exactly so if now is the time for because it's not like it needs to be completely wiped clean of tom holland as spider-man because he's not part of the mcu going forward he can still exist as the individual we have come to learn as, you know, like who he's become in the MCU just as a Sony property. I don't know what kind of line has to be drawn in terms of like MCU canon at that point, but your version can exist under Sony. And every single universe has a different designation in the comics on purpose. There's 616, there's 1610, there's there's reasons they delineate. Like when you watch Spider-Verse, Spider-Gwen animation is very different from Miles Morales' animation for a reason. I think the Disney Spider-Man they've made, this character is very important to keep with the same creators because this character is the farthest from Spider-Man comics while still feeling like Spider-Man they can go. We haven't had the traditional origin. We don't have a lot of the tropes. We can't, like I said earlier, have Jonah Jameson and all those things. So you need someone that has a long-term plan. No one has long-term plans like Kevin Feige. He probably has the next 10 years of Spider-Man mapped out. So he is very important to this. So I'm not saying just go Sony. I'm saying have this team establish a better balance of where the money is and have it be an actual negotiation. Because I feel like that 5% isn't fair to either side because I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into making that universe work and being like, I'm doing this for how much? Being good for anyone. But I also don't think the other extreme of it just being a Sony film is good for Spider-Man. I'm an Andrew Garfield apologist, but those are certainly not as good as these movies. I also think, I I love what you say about him going off and being Spider-Man a little bit, and I would love to see that be the 
more of the future of his individual Spider-Man films. But I also, like, that crossover goes two ways, right? And I hate the idea of then Tom Holland not being in the bigger ensemble mm-hmm. films. That's just a little heartbreaking for me. I was telling you before the show, I just feel he's such a beloved character, and I, I, fear, I feel that as well. And whenever you're in a, a screening of a film that he's in, there's always, like, an applause when he comes on screen. He just brings this level of excitement. So I, I too, hope that they can find the healthy middle ground. Well, because Tom Holland is... I, I said it after my, uh, the, the Jake Gyllenhaal episode went to London. When I met Tom Holland, he's the first actor I think I've ever met where I looked in his eyes and I saw Spider-Man. And I was like, <laughs> I, this isn't a, a, an actor. This is... I'm meeting Spider-Man! So <laughs> I don't want to lose that. And I, like, I'm in the industry where I meet all these people, but he was Spider-Man. So it's really special. And he's Spider-Man in the context of the Avengers. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he's always an Avenger. And I think now oh, is great. a good time to make these designations. But I don't think a splitting of ways now is good for anyone. But I also don't think that the way things are works for everyone. All right. So thinking about the whole splitting of ways thing right now, who has more to lose, do you think, if they wind up parting? I think Sony has proven with Venom they can make a lot of money without Marvel. And I think that Marvel has proven without X-Men and Spider-Man, they can make a lot of money without their old A-list characters. I think they both have an equal amount to lose, but they only have things to gain by fixing this. I couldn't agree more. I definitely think fixing this is the best (laughs) path for both entities. It's just... Like, I would even, even though, again, I mean, we talk about this so much here on Movie Talk, like, Disney is just this colossal force in Hollywood right now. I mean, really, what do they have to lose in any situation? They've got got the deepest pockets to reach into. It's just, of all times, Sony seems to be in the best possible situation for something like that to happen because they basically wound up with the best of both worlds where they would be able to walk away from a deal like this with the foundation that Marvel already gave them. Why would Marvel want to lose that and just hand it over to Sony? They had 20 movies without Spider-Man. I know. I, this is, and this is, this this is a Spider-Man is, This fan. is me being a whiny baby from a creative <laughs> storytelling person. Like, why would you do that? But... So, I mean, so it could go, but I I will say I don't think that's what it's going to come to. I have a very good feeling that we're looking at extreme numbers right now, and there is there is a very big possible middle ground here, and someone is going to wind up being okay with whatever deal is struck. We're seeing a lot of really apocalyptic headlines right yes. now that are very, like, cut and dry, and I, that is, as we've discussed, clearly not the case. <clears throat> and hopefully they will realize what we keep harping on, which is, like, there's no winner if that's what happens. The only way to really win is to figure it out uh, in some way that's mutually beneficial. But I, I do think it's important to note that all this, like, Tom Holland out of the MCU for good. Spider-Man is done with Kevin Feige forever. Those those are a little preemptive. Mm-hmm. And at the and, end of the day, if you want 30%, you say 50, and they because of the five that's there, you look for that bartering chip, and this is all very public and very now. Yeah. And it also comes off the heels. We're not mentioning the fact that they've got the Spider-Verse movie getting an Oscar. They've got the Spider-Verse sequels. We've got the Spider-Verse TV show, and they just bought Insomniac Games. So we've got Spider-Man on PS4. Right now, Sony is, is just going like, look what we've built. So it's a great time for them to be like, well, actually, there's this one little problem over here. So it's it's timing wise a very convenient That's for them. The thing you don't want to come to to a table to negotiate when when you're on a high. Mm-hmm. And Sony is definitely on a high but right now. Is the number one movie of all time? They're both on a high right now. No one's at a well, deficit. Okay, so they're. I think obviously again, Disney and the MCU <laughs> are on a high. They've got the the highest grossing movie of all time. 
but it all also feels like so like high 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 bigger cliff to fall off of and there's a lot of pressure on them i mean yes they've had some great installments in the mcu what they've pulled off with endgame is something else but now the pressure is sky high for them to continue it and tom holland spider-man is such an important piece to that puzzle that i do want i do wonder do they have more to lose by letting that go did you notice spider-man missing from the phase four announcement because i didn't that's what i was gonna say it went over just fine. N- nobody was outraged to see it. Out- I think that the, that lack of outrage was with the assumption that he would was be in, in the yeah. future. Yes, but like there was plenty of excitement for all of that without him. And they will absolutely be fine. Will they have written themselves into a bit of a storytelling corner based on how he was set up at the mm-hmm. end of Far From Home? Yes, absolutely. Do I think they can write themselves out of it again? No doubt. Don so, Cheadle and, and Terrence Howard look very different. I, I just like got a little <laughs> upset at myself when you said that, and it was the truth. I do wonder if it has something to do with the fact that like the most recent installment we did get was a Spider-Man movie. And my theory from the beginning has been, uh, you know, 2023 is five years after 2018. 2018, snap, 2023. They released the movie in 2023 along with Guardians and Black Panther because that ties into the actual chronology of the snap. Therefore, the movies catch up to real time. That's been my theory. So therefore, <laughs> Phase 5 ties in beautifully to real you would have figured that out. I, well, it's right there. It's the map. So, so I think the reason that we, the reason they didn't announce Black Panther 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and Spider-Man 3 is because the snap, those are the first ones we lost. They're the first ones yeah. to get back in real time. But that does show the power of Marvel with or without Spider-Man. And that does show that Sony has all the cards right now because they have the character. But I think they both need each other in an equal measure, which means more equal pay. You shouldn't have to pay for half of your own character if you own it, but it shouldn't yeah. be a 5%, 95% for the amount of... The, the fingerprints of Marvel are all, all over Homecoming and Far From Home. It's not a 5% input. So yeah. I, I think this is just, once again, more public than it should be because of Spider-Man. All right, here's a follow-up question from the live chat right now. Louis E. De La Pena is asking, if you were Sony, how would you counter this offer? 20%. Like, you I would just, I I would just barter. Yeah. Like, I would just, and then, you So know, you're not saying as a final offer, 20 no. Are you just saying that's what you'd use to knock it down? I'd, I'd use it to knock it down, yeah. and then I'd, I'd also offer, you know, like, we will have more creative. Like, he, Kevin Feige's probably, like, uh, aware of Phase 4 and 5 and how much work that is. So I would also offer we'll have more creatives involved in your conversation. Mm-hmm. We'll allow this freedom. I, w- I would support the I would support the Marvel side more creatively because I don't know what Sony brought to the table creatively except for having the character. So I would stress the fact that you're not going to carry all that weight. Because think about it. They... The average person might not know the deal. They probably don't. And the average person probably doesn't distinguish between the MCU and Mm Spider-Man. So Sony can just go make a Spider-Man movie and they'll have all the good graces of the MCU all over it. Because people have just seen Iron Man and Homecoming and Far From Home. So when you watch Spider-Man 3, they're not going to notice like, this doesn't feel like an MCU film and it's still going to make a billion dollars in Spider-Man. Do you think that uh, Sony might counter, this is totally just spitballing, but like, okay, but now we want him in Venom. Stuff like that. We're gonna mm. we're gonna take a little back then That's since it's our character. An interesting wrinkle to throw in the mix there. I mean, it would uh, it would be a smart play for Sony, especially given yes, Venom was successful. But think about how many conversations we had leading up to the release of Venom. How is this movie gonna work without Spider Man? And even though, hey. I liked Venom. It's fun. I also think it could be a much richer experience if Spider-Man were involved. So that would definitely work in their favor. Do you ever think if that became part of this pitch process, Feige and the folks over at Marvel would ever go for that as being part of the deal? I actually don't really think they would. But I think it's an interesting bartering chip to try and get Marvel to push down. I just think that, you know... 
their their golden nugget is the creative yes. over at Marvel, and they are not going to touch anything that anybody else other than Kevin Feige has had creative oversight on. I, I totally agree with that. I just think it's a, a card they have in their pocket for bargaining. It's part of the strength of the MCU is that it's so cohesively overseen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they have that, like, you know, the, the, the kid over here, like, and we don't talk about Jimmy. <laughs> and then Venom. So, and, and I like the first one a lot, more than most. But I do think it's not the right, it's an, it's an early 90s comic movie, and that would mm. sully the whole flavor of the MCU. All right, before we move on, last chance for now at least. Any other points you guys want to make about Spider-Man? I feel solid with personally okay. with what we know and what we've discussed. <laughs> yes. In summation, no one's in the wrong here. It's more public than it should be. And yes. I'm just excited the fact that I got to have a heated discussion saying the word Spider-Man and Marvel as if this exists. Because it's been <laughs> it's been 13 years, and I still can't believe it. If this story is any indication, we're going to be covering this topic Probably often for a little while. I mean, I can assure you that if we get updates on this, we are going to let you know about all of it. So stay tuned to Movie Talks. We're going to have so much more to cover with Spider-Man, Sony, the future of the MCU, you name it. All right. Let's tell you a little bit about some other programming you can catch on Collider Video. Actually, right now, there is a brand new episode of Comic Book Shopping up and running. Check this out. Hi, I'm Coy Jondro here at Golden Apple Comics, and I am here with Jackson A. Dunn. Yes, Brightburn himself. I really tried to adapt like as deeply as I could. And you guys all turned in amazing stuff. I just loved each of these individually. Yeah, it's just a comforting concept. Brightburn is available on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital right now. We're going to talk all about Brightburn and buy some comics. Of course. You ready to buy some comics? Oh, I'm ready. This is Comic Book Shopping. So you got Koi on comic book shopping. You've got Koi today on Movie Talk. Do you want even more Koi? You know who's going to tell you where you could find more Koi? Koi. This <laughs> afternoon on Collider Heroes, this news broke eight minutes after we aired, so we don't talk about Spider-Man, but you just heard it here. But we do have other stuff to talk about, including D23 predictions and lots of He-Man excitement. Just check it out. And uh, I am excited to be here to talk about Spider-Man because I was really afraid I wouldn't get to vent. Because, man, that was intense. <laughs> all the koi all day long. <laughs> Enjoy that content as we move over to story number two now. It is our Matrix story. So apparently the Matrix 4, it is happening. Variety reports that Lana Wachowski will write and direct a fourth Matrix movie with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss reprising their roles. So given all the rumors circulating about uh, the Matrix, I was surprised to hear this, especially given the ending of Re- uh, Revolution. So... What do you think about this news, and where could they possibly go with the story now? I gotta let Koi take that first. I know. We know that. <laughs> you can hear me tell. We're ready for this movie. It's okay. In 1999, 20 years ago, they foretold how ominous technology was gonna be. That movie was so prophetic, and now we're living in an age where we often don't know what's real and what's simulation, whether or not you go to Burning Man. There's a very strange, surreal quality to what reality is because of deep fakes, because of technology. We've been overcome by technology in real life, and now there's the perfect time to make The Matrix 4 to retroactively fix The Matrix 2 and 3, which could have been one very good movie. Rumor was, I heard, this was back in the early 2000s, that the Animatrix and The Matrix 2 and 3, it was supposed to be a trilogy, but they wanted to do one before The Matrix and one after The Matrix. But because of the Star Wars, I don't know if this is true, Warner Brothers was like, oh, prequels, no, no, no. So they made The Animatrix, and then they split 
two and three into two movies, but it should have just been one, and that's why those movies feel a bit bloated. I don't know if that's true, but now they can fix that. The Matrix is more timely than ever. Keanu Reeves is back in another hot streak. Carrie Ann Moss is incredible and Jessica Jones. I love the idea of, I don't know why it's one Wachowski, uh, but I love the idea of an original creator coming back to a franchise that actually changed cinema. The first Matrix is... is one question for you, though. Uh, so I think you use the word retroactively. We're, we're talking a lot about retcons lately, but mm-hmm. we were talking about something even before the show started that I think might be important to uh, point out here. When you say, you know, do things retroactively, retcon, whatnot, you're not talking about necessarily just like wiping the slate clean and saying this never happened. You're talking about adding it and adding to it, enhancing it. I haven't rewatched them in years. I've watched the first one plenty, but the second two, Mm -hmm. there's an entire sequence. If I remember correctly with the architect where there's a bunch of Neos, what easier franchise to fix than one where there's that many realities. What easier? It's a movie about coding recode the damn matrix it's right there so all you needed was the the people that want it and the technology to catch up to make it different enough Mm -hmm. to make it worth making and the talent and we got all that in this announcement well one of my very favorite things in this announcement is a uh a quote and it says many of the ideas lily and i explored 20 years ago about our reality are even more relevant now like more relevant now that is the key terms phrase whatever that suggests that this franchise is worth bringing back i could tell you were super into whatever uh coin was pitching just now <laughs> well it's just something i'm really passionate this year uh, in general and storytelling is uh-huh. all the use of parallel realities alternate timelines just that is also in any property an immediate fixture problem like and it's not it's not annoying it's interesting it's exciting and and this is an ideal property to do that with you have to we also have seen so with halloween you can go that didn't happen and people will be okay with it yes it's totally fine but by incorporating these sort of parallel words or re Recoding, as you said, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to do that. You can satisfy both realities without, you know, pissing off a fair legion of fans who probably would be like, "What? We saw that happen. It's real." Matrix we say, recoded. Ooh, I'll we take about it. I'll take it tomorrow. Good. Well, that's the thing is, we say glitch in the matrix in everyday vernacular. We, it's yeah. an expression. Yeah. A glitch in the matrix can solve three and four. We can actually go back and have a deja vu black cat experience with mm-hmm. four. And that's exciting. And Keanu Reeves doesn't age, which is very convenient. I'm I, That was one of the biggest things about the story, just seeing that the two of them are back. But also, we only get one Wachowski this time, which I find very interesting. Just curious, what do you guys make of that? I mean, it is an interesting scenario that uh, you hope is not in any way negative. The fact that Lily was mentioned in the press release Mm -hmm. speaks well. And the fact that they've worked together for like 40 years, (laughs) seemingly quite peacefully. Uh, Maybe Lily's busy. Maybe she feels done with the story. You know, there's a lot of possible reasons for that. But it's it's interesting from a creative perspective, if if. If that is solely Lana on yeah. her own, then I'm curious to see how the world might feel different when it's just one mind sort of creating it this time around. And what's interesting to me is is that in conjunction with how many incredible creators came out of the Matrix. We have like, you know, the, the John Wick team and so many people mm-hmm. that we now have directing their own work, whether or not they come back to be like first AD or, or any sort of, you know, second unit, what, what the assemblage of the Matrix is because we only have one Wachowski instead of the pair. So I'm really curious what the movie feels like and, and if 
we'll be able to tell it's one of them instead of the pair of them because we've only seen them work together, to my knowledge. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a single Wachowski film. I think um, you're right. I, I did like tried to double check really fast before yeah, the show. I, I think there's, that they've always worked yeah, together. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm an apologist for a lot of their their stuff that a lot of people don't like. Right. Like I'm a big fan of of what was the one about um, with the the true true with Tom Hanks Cloud uh, Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Nope. I like that movie. I like, I like the end that. credits of Cloud Atlas where they re- where they reveal who everybody played. Yeah, I mean, I look, I like all of their movies. <laughs> Bound is great. Yeah, oh, I'm Bound a sucker. Is incredible. Yeah. I'm a sucker for Jupiter. So I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Oh, I like I Speed I Racer. I thought going to be on an island. Oh, no, I like oh, Speed no. Racer. Speed Racer is. I love that Speed Racer summons Emil Hirsch. <laughs> like whenever Speed Racer is trending, Emil Hirsch was like, "Yes, I'm here," and he tweets. <laughs> oh. uh, but like Speed Racer is one of those cult followings that, that I think it came out six months too soon. Yeah. I think the world wasn't quite ready for Speed Racer. And The Matrix Four is is. I hope this is a movie that blows our minds because what they did with Bullet Time in '99 yep. changed things. I can't wait to see what they can do with 20 years later technology. I'm also curious our as she says it's more relevant but also our relationship to technology has changed yeah. entirely in those decades and I'm very curious what the perspective on it is if it's still the same is there a, any part of the movie where it's like no we got to plug back in yeah. it's we're, terrible we're plugged in now well like, I know that's, we are. well that's what's interesting is like yeah. in 99 I I don't maybe I'm wrong but I don't think phones had internet uh, like, or if they did, it was rudimentary. I yeah, don't think so. Not, I'm pretty not sure it was for the sure. average folks. I don't like T9 believe. texting back I'm in pretty sure right? I was still playing uh, Snake on a Nokia at that point, and you were doing like QWERTY keyboard texting. <laughs> yeah, I was 11, so I don't remember who had what. Well, I didn't have internet. So I, I, what we are now is such a different animal than what that movie represented yeah. them. But you can watch The Matrix now, and it doesn't feel old. Yeah. When you watch The Matrix, the first one, it doesn't feel dated. So I can't wait to see what they do with the world catching up to the reality they already made. I, maybe I'm just I'm I'm afraid to see what they're about to foretell about the future basically the way they did with the last one play 2049 the matrix oh man that's a very fair concern yeah very very i want to know but i'm not sure if i want to know a fair concern that speaks to how rich this opportunity is because it's very exciting because we talk about you know reboots sequels franchises continuing you know 20 years after the last movie came out you name it and we're always like well are you repeating something like this this just seems like a really again rich opportunity to continue continue a popular franchise where you're basically justifying it in the pillars of the franchise itself. So I'm pumped. And for me, it doesn't feel like where we have like Indiana Jones 19, where they're like inventing a new story. The Matrix had the video game, the Animatrix and the two sequels. This is a rich world they've already built up that they probably had other ideas for and have had ideas for the last 20 years. Well, here's a here's a question from the live chat briefly from who rang who's writing. uh, What does uh, what does it mean for Michael B. Jordan? He was mentioned to star in a Matrix Matrix reboot, maybe plays Morpheus's son but really quickly before you guys even answer that it was making me think um oddly enough i am more into the idea of another matrix movie with keanu coming back with a movie basically being pitched as matrix 4 rather than getting what we were originally talking about about you know just prequels and different offshoots as much as i like michael b jordan I kind of hope that that is done and it's gone and they just move forward as we were kind of just discussing here I mean, I, it, I might be remembering incorrectly, but I believe that had a different writer attached at the I time. I think it did, yeah. So it sounds like a pretty different project. I, I would have no problem whatsoever with Michael B. Jordan <laughs> being in this movie because he's phenomenal. And that would be great casting if they want to keep that one little nugget of that project alive. Do, please. Yeah. But it sounds that they're pretty separate, at least from what the reports read like. Yeah, to me, this is a, a separate property. But if they're he's on the radar, he's on the radar. So yeah. then it's only a good thing. And it's Warner Brothers, so... Michael B. Jordan is very 
much on their radar. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity. To clarify, I'll take Michael B. Jordan in anything. It's just when I first read the read the news or a rumor at that point that that's what they were exploring. I'm like, eh, okay. But then I hear something like what we're talking about right now, and that's the hook. That's how you get me back in. I Same. agree. I don't think a, a reboot really spoke to me, but hearing the story evolve from an mm-hmm. original creator really speaks to me. And the original team all coming in. Yeah. The core of the team sounding exactly. like they're back. All right. So uh, we are wrapping up story two on a very positive note, and I love the sound of that. But we do want to leave uh, time for some live chat questions. Let us grab... Let's grab another one from Who Rang because I want to talk about trailers right now. A few trailers dropped today and it's not getting attention due to the big news. Antlers, Rambo, etc. Did you guys watch any and what are your thoughts? Who's got thoughts on a new trailer today? Please someone bring up Antlers. Antlers is a trailer that surprised me. Uh, Scott <laughs> Cooper is not the, that generally that type of director in my eyes. When I saw Scott Cooper, I thought it was going to go a completely different direction. Then I saw Guillermo del Toro and I went that direction. Yes. So I'm very curious about to me, Scott Cooper is a great uh, slow burn, ponderous, uh, conversationalist director. I like his movies because they're about people in very normal circumstances that get put in more extraordinary circumstances as the film goes along. Whereas this seems to be like, whoa, it's an extraordinary circumstance mm-hmm. with Guillermo flavor. So I want to see how he directs something very different than what I've seen him do before. Yeah, when you have names like this attached to a project, I think the two of us are on the same page. Yep. Nick Antosco, like, yep. give me anything that he produces because I'm still crushed that Channel Zero is not continuing he's keeping busy though i know why he has not slowed down Uh, nick antosca but also carrie russell i just love her i want to see her in everything i have no idea quite honestly what the movie's about based on that trailer which is kind of fun um but i there's such a strong sense of style to Mm -hmm. it and and the it feels not tonally like his previous films but the lighting is textured in the way that we've come to expect from them so i'm yeah. i'm equally curious to see his lens which is usually more of a a quiet slow drama type film put through this really from what i can tell again i don't mm-hmm. quite know what it's about but yeah. it seems rather gruesome and intense yes. the the atmosphere and even just i mean what is it two minutes in a matter of two minutes you could already feel the weight of that situation yeah. and that to me bodes well for the full feature he's killing them softly correct Scott Cooper, he, he made Killing Them Softly, the Brad Pitt movie. I believe so. Yes. For whatever and reason, all I could think about now is Out of the Furnace. Crazy yeah, Heart. He's, yeah, he's done a, Crazy few, Heart, he's yes. done a couple Christian Bale movies, but I think Killing Them Softly is my, it's my favorite, if that's, I forget the right director. And that movie gets hyper-violent in a way that I can see transitioning to his pacing for horror can work because the, the violence in that movie is so horrific when you get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I love his, his world building. Was I right? No, um, killing unless uh, Andrew Dominic. Oh, Andrew yes. Dominic! Just watch Killing You're Them Softly. You're talking about Killing Them Softly, the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, yeah. great movie. Um, <laughs> just in general. But let's just hope that Andrews <laughs> have some of that flavor. We can randomly throw out a title yeah. like that. It's, it's all good. Movie. Let's get to one more question because you probably know there was another big piece of news that dropped today. Bruce Crawford wants to know what do you think of the new Bond film title. No time to die. How does that make you feel? Like someone's going to die. <laughs> Sounds like Daniel Craig's last movie, yeah. Dizzy. Sure does. This franchise. No time to sign up for another one. But if there's no time to die, then someone can't die because there's no time. I feel like there's always time for death. This is the tragedy of the human condition. Tomorrow never Hi. dies, but there is time to die. It, it definitely made me think of Tomorrow Never Dies, which probably wasn't its intention. Well, uh, it does. It, it's very evocative of the, the classic Bond 
Bond titles. It feels like a Bond title. Yeah. Which is not really news to say like, ah, that Bond title sure does feel like a Bond title. Wild. Uh, I, I love Daniel Craig as Bond and I it's part of my age, but he's my Bond. So I've been looking forward to this one, even though it's gone through every director and team and injury and problem. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this, too. I was happy to see a title that felt like it rolled off the tongue fairly easily, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was the last one? Spectre. Spe- I feel like, for some reason, if, even though I've seen Spectre now, this feels more satisfying on the initial announcement. It feels... Well, it it, it feels, bond. It yeah, has that bond feel. It, it's got, like, yeah. the espionage and the sexiness and the curiosity. It makes you... It's a it, little pulpy paperbacky. Yeah. It makes you lean in. Spectre's like, correct. This is like, but... <laughs> like, and it's also not no time to get injured, because that happened. It's no time to no die. Time to I want to know more. I feel like we should just do no time to fill in the blank. No time to... Sleep. Uh, sleep. There's Correct. a good one. Common. No, no time to eat lunch today. Oh, yeah. We Which know is, that It's move. okay. It's okay. No time yeah. to barter the Sony Marvel deal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Definitely really no time to catch up on my screeners. There stuff. you go. A whole bunch of alt titles for you. That is it. We had an extra long episode of Movie Talk today. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, what is happening right now? Is there uh, something I should be alerted Dor- to? Dorian's making sure the, the world knows that it was either to blame no Dorian or to... No time to get that bread. That's oh, right. There it is. Yeah. No that time. was like a really backwards like collider charade yeah. happening. <laughs> and there's so many inside jokes to make that possible. I'm going to go with no time to toast. You got to eat that bread raw. Just regular bread. All right. Loafs. An even higher note for the end of this episode. <laughs> Haley Coy, thank you so much, Dorian, of course, in the live chat. And Adam in the booth, you rock. Thank you to everybody out there watching this episode. As always, please do not leave before you like and share this episode and tell everybody you know that we are here five days a week, 3 p.m. PT live, like tomorrow. Tune in again and watch a brand new episode of Movie Talk. That little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.